When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On today's episode of the Bolts broadcast, what an underwhelming draft. Stay tuned. Season 4, Episode 70 of the Bolts Broadcast, Mike Mitchelson and Chase Crawshaw with you today. Chase, how are you on this beautiful Monday afternoon? I'm chilling, you know, just kind of hanging out, living like Larry. Uh, decent day outside. Not that I'm really going out much with, you know, the recovery, but still nice to look out the window while recording and see, you know, a nice blue sky. How are we doing, Michael? Uh, doing pretty well, and we got a, a new little setup happening with me today. Uh, back home in Michigan for 16 days. It'll be a, a nice little break. I've got nine days of no work. I've got uh, some PTO, some vacation, weekends, obviously all that goes into it. And then the following week, I will be working from home. So it's nice to get back, but while we're doing that, I had to find a way to be able to record still. So brought most things back. However, I didn't bring any boom arms, so I'm actually just holding my microphone this whole time. And we are in the old studio, except the studio is now a guest room. So it's no longer, you know, ready for sound, but ready for, you know, going to sleep. So we'll see how it goes. I'm excited to get it going, though, and... Uh, it, it's bringing back memories being in this room. Yeah, that's, that's cool. It's fun for sure. Um, you know, definitely a little weird to have as a guest room since, you know, that, that room doesn't have a, have a door that shuts has a little curtain and it's, you know, it's in a basement, but there is a, a, a big window. I don't really like you guys bought the house and the window was just there already. Right. Yes. And it always yeah. freaked me out because when we came and looked at it, it used to be like the kids playroom from the previous owners and they didn't clean the glass well enough. So there was just a child's handprint on the glass for forever. <laughs> and it always freaked me the hell out. I'm like, is this a ghost? What is happening? But you know, Oh, that, that that's hilarious. It, yeah, no, that it's definitely, it's definitely a little, little weird that you can just kind of, I think you said you have a curtain there or something, but you, you can you can still just kind of be peeped on a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, decent heavy back in town. Uh, I'm not going to say good because it's not great, but it's not terrible either because I haven't seen you yet. So decent. Yeah, it's been a blessing. I've gotten to see some uh, cool friends and haven't 
had to deal with you, at least in person yet, so that's been really nice. Um, but on today's yeah, episode but- of the Bulls broadcast, we got some great stuff, Chase. Going to be talking Tampa, their draft, their transactions through free agency so far, and then after the commercial break, go a little deep dive in the draft as a whole. Were, were you going to say something before I went into that? No, I was just going to make fun of you some more. Oh, okay, cool. Well, let's start. Uh, I think the first thing we got to mention is before the draft even kicked off, Tampa made a move to acquire the 37th overall pick in the draft. Obviously, a lot more exciting than what we had on board coming into the draft, but that means we lost Ross Colton. Yeah, man, which which sucks because I just spent, I think it was the last episode, Talk, maybe it was the one before, but talking about how Ross Colton should have have an opportunity to you know maybe step up here earn an extra role with with the organization because I am a Ross Colton fan, but just wasn't meant to be, I guess. Um, you know, he gets shipped out along with a few other guys that ended up getting moved. Um, but he he was the first domino to fall, and as you said, end up grabbing that early second round pick. And yeah, I I I, I like who they ended up grabbing. I thought it was a solid draft based on what they had to work with. Um. But still, it's it's tough that that, that a guy that, that I really did believe in the breakout. He's you know he's going to go to Colorado. He's going to probably play in that middle six role, probably you know that third line role. Kind of see what he does. Um, you know I, I think he's going to do well there. Would have been cool to see him have a little more success in Tampa. But moves done. Time to move on. Hopefully we've got someone else um, in house. Uh, you know it, there's obviously signings too, but hopefully someone in house that's a little bit younger that can step up. Yeah, and I I just have nightmares from the last time we traded uh, a not necessarily super young player, but a younger player that looked like he was stepping up. And then we go see bro. I'm forgetting his name right now, but bro just lights it up for Florida this past season. He was fantastic. Carter Verhage? Yes. Carter Verhage guy. Uh, I just don't want a Carter Verhage situation yet again here with Ross Colton. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be that type of jump. I think he's going to have success because he's a good player. If it ends up being like that, then you know that's going to be that's be an ultimate feels bad man. But I I don't I don't think it is. Um, it, it's it's as you know as I mentioned, it's a guy I think that can have success and will have some success. But if he takes that type of jump, then it's an ultimate kind of egg on your face type of move for Breezewa. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about what we got in return. Like you mentioned, 37th overall pick. You said you liked who we got, that being Ethan Goche out of the queue. Yeah, and I do like Ethan Goche. Um, he was someone that I don't know how many teams, but he, he was probably considered a first-round pick on a couple teams' boards. Um, ended up going into the second round. Um, you know, not not every team is going to make first-round selections. We get to make a ton of them. So just because you have him in the first round doesn't mean you're getting him in the first round. So um, he's definitely a guy that was going to be on some team's boards early on. Uh, has a lot of skill. Has some success last year in the queue. 69 points with 30 goals for 66 games with Sherbrooke. Uh, he's going to be heading back there this year, uh, or heading back to the queue, I should say. Uh, he'll be playing with Drummondville. He's going to have a pretty large role. Um, he's probably going to be you know, one of the guys, one of the leading scorers um, in the Quebec League. It'd be cool if he could maybe take a big jump and become the leading scorer, because he does have the skill set to do it. Um, you know, he... He's, he's got the size, you know, six foot, 183. He's, he's a right shot forward. I, I do really like, um, you know, the skill. He's he's a great, 
he's a great transition player. So he, he's really you're good at, you know, at turning that defensive um, that, you know, that defensive zone play into a, that transition into the offensive zone into, into the, um, into the four check. He does a really good job there. So it's going to be fun. Um, hopefully here in a couple of years can see him make that jump to the NHL. Uh, definitely don't expect it to be an overnight type thing. It'll, it'll take a couple of years as it usually does the second round picks, but he is someone that I think will be an NHLer. So it was good to be able to go up and get a guy like that at least. All right, well, let me ask. We have Isaac Howard, who he drafted 31st overall last year. Obviously, he quickly became the best prospect within the system. Now that we have Goche on board, how do those two compare? When do you see these two uh, making an impact for the team? And then ceiling-wise, do we still lean Howard, or does Howard get upset now? It really depends what we see Isaac Howard do this year. Um, you know, I'll give him the slight advantage for being, you know, being the older player, being the first round pick, now that it's a large difference in, um, you know, like draft capital, but still going to give him the slight advantage. But he really needs, you know, he really needs to make a big jump this year. He transferred to Michigan State, you know, transferred out of uh, Minnesota Duluth last year, or he had a really underwhelming start, started playing a little bit better, but, you know, wanted more from himself. So he's going to go to Michigan State. Him, they had got a couple other transfers as well. Um, hopefully he can kind of get his offense flowing there, but it's, it's a little nerve wracking. Uh, you know, state has not produced a ton of, you know, NHL players, uh, especially in recent history. It's, it's been a little while. So I'm just hoping that, you know, that this is a change of the course there for them. And, and he can really kind of kind of refine his confidence and generate a little more offense. So it, it'll really tell, um, you know, even if just partially into this year, but if not by the end of the year, who's going to kind of be the better one. But at the moment, I'm just, I'll give a slight lean towards Isaac Howard. Okay. And you mentioned Michigan State, my alma mater. Um, I don't know if you know who else is joining Isaac Howard over there, but actually your number one goalie on the board, Trey Augustine, who ended up with the Red Wings, he's heading over to State as well. So, hey, who knows? Little resurgence for Michigan State. We got some young talent coming in. Yeah, they have um, right now slated uh, on the roster six NHL draft picks for next season, which is which is good for them. You know, they're getting another transfer in Red Savage, who is a Red Wings draft prospect. Who um, he's got some NHL upside as well. Maxim Serbach just drafted to Buffalo in this draft class. Um, he's going in as well. Big big Slovak defenseman. Um, you know, I I think they got got a solid group going in, and you know, there's going to be a couple guys that end up turning pro uh, NHLers. Probably not, but you know, of these non-drafted players that will go play in the American League, the East Coast League, go play overseas. So they, they've got some talent coming in and, you know, hopefully this is kind of that, you know, tur- you know, tra- turning of the ship. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is the phrase I'm looking for, but hopefully this is going back to Michigan State being uh, national contenders like they were so many years ago. Yeah, and it'd be great because Michigan State not known for choking when they are the favorites like Michigan. So they more step up when they're not even seen as contenders. So hopefully we can see old Sparty get back on top. I mean, I I just root for, I root for all these Michigan teams. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like go try to argue back and forth on it because as as long as the Michigan team is winning, I'm happy. Um, I'm not a U of M alumni or anything, so I'm I'm not gonna say much on that other than you're just a silly guy. Well, let's talk about the other four draft picks for Tampa. I'll let you take it away. We had fourth round, sixth round, and two seventh round picks. I'd love to give all my insight, but I'll be honest with you, I don't know that much about these guys. Yeah, and you know that that's fair. Um, I can get it. So we'll start with uh, our, our fourth round draft selection, Jason Shogaby, who is 
you know, he, he's, he's got some skill. Um, he is a, is a pretty solid, solid player. Um, you know, coming in at five foot nine, hundred sixty eight pounds. He's a forward plays down the middle spent last year in Minnesota high school. Um, you know, for, for a little bit, which is a, it, it's, it's the best high school, um, hockey in the country. It's very highly regarded. This NHL draft picks out of it all the time. We also spend time in the USHL, the Green Bay Gamblers, uh, put up some really dominant numbers at the Minnesota high school, as I mentioned, playing for War Road, which is a pretty prolific program. Um, they, they've It's a small town that's turned out many NHLers like TJ Oshie. 96 points for 31 games, um, to put up really strong numbers. And then in Green Bay, 16 points for 27 games. So it ends up being, uh, you know, a, a pretty good a pretty good value here because, you know, he is a, a, a really just skilled forward um you know he got, got got slick hands he's a good puck distributor and he's someone that's definitely gonna take some time to really refine his game i'm uh, gonna have to add a little bit of weight and he, he's someone i i probably expect is going to be at least a three-year college guy if not just you know a full-on college graduate before he turns pro um and then you know there's nothing wrong with that he'd be coming in at a time where there would really be a big transition in players. Um, you know, I, I was going to mention it later on, but I'll say it now. Um, Tampa sitting at eight players left over from their cup team um, in 2021. So they're already seeing a big transition as it is, you know, only eight guys left from that roster. But he's someone that, you know, when we're getting down to the, you know, like four players left, he, he's he's hopefully going to be ready to kind of step in and take that jump. But a kid with some upside, I, I like the selection. Yeah, and it's one of those guys where as a Tampa supporter – can be a little bit more excited than the likes of a New York Rangers supporter because when you look at the history of being able to develop young talent, Tampa's been able to do that in and out, whereas the Rangers, they can't even develop first overall picks. So seeing a guy who only 5'9", 165, a little bit smaller, but that might have been part of the reason such a high skill forward drops this far so seeing him come to tampa i think that's awesome he's going to take some time like you mentioned but to get that and to have the possibility of this tampa staff to really mold him on how they want to see him play in the nhl that's exciting yeah absolutely so moving on to our uh you know one of one of our next picks uh in the sixth round 179th overall we took warren clark uh he's, he's a big size d-man uh six foot three 194 pounds Played in the MJHL, which is the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, which really isn't a prolific league by any means. Um, it's you know it, it's good. Still turns out NCAA talent as he is committed to St. Cloud State. Um, and he is a Canadian kid, so it makes a little more sense that he's playing in a Canadian league. But the strange thing to me is that you know he he's an Ontario boy. Why not play in like the OJHL, the CCHL? You know, one of those Junior A leagues that are more local. If if you're going to play Junior A or when I could play in the AJHL or the BCHL, maybe it was because he could be, you know, his team's top D man here and get a little more exposure. I don't know, but there's definitely teams in those other leagues where he could have done that as well. So it's, it's interesting to see. Um, not a guy that I can say I've watched a ton on. Um, I've seen very little bits when I was, um, you know, do, doing scouting for, for my, you know, my own, my own teams. Um, and I was looking at some Canadian players and he was someone that I knew was on um, on like Central Scouting's watch list, so I didn't even bother because like I wasn't going to get that guy. Um, but I, I did see a little bit of passing, and he, he's just just a good sturdy defenseman, a little bit of offensive upside. Um, I don't really forecast him being like a surefire NHLer by any means. It's hard to say that at this point in the draft, but you know there is enough of the intangibles there with with the size, um, you know, with the bit of offensive production he has in the past. It's not overwhelming, but there is there is a little bit of a history of it. So. It's definitely going to be a wait and see. Um, he's definitely going to be a 
college graduate type of player going to play out four or five years. And these late round picks, they're really just lottery picks, you know? So being able to, or lottery tickets, I should say, uh, being able to just put a little bit of draft capital into them, see if they pan out. That's cool. And if you're looking at a six, three right-handed defenseman, uh, yeah, I'm fine. taking you know, a little lottery ticket on that type of guy. Yeah, a hundred percent. So moving on next, Jack Harvey, uh, BU commit. He's uh, one of the older players in the draft, the 2003 birth year. Uh, so he's 20 years old, been through the draft a couple times. This would be his third one. Another forward up front, uh, 5'10", 176 pounds. Um, an- another skill type of guy. Put up good numbers last year in the USHL Chicago Steel. 74 points for 62 games. Added 40 goals to it. Uh, a- another guy that y- you're really expecting him to kind of finish out a-, a collegiate career. When you're a bit of a late bloomer like he was in you know, like scored that well in what would have been his last draft eligible year. Um, he still has one more year junior hockey eligibility technically left, but this was his last draft year. Um, it, it's those types of players. If they hit, they definitely take a little bit longer, um, especially where his kind of production is. So don't expect, um, you know, don't expect the next Nikita Kucherov type player and any, any shit like that. Cause he's going to take some time to develop. Um, but he is another player who, does have just some great puck skills, um, you know, a nice, really skilled player. It's just about kind of kind of making sure that you keep up that production. You make sure that it translates to the college game, make sure it translates to the pro game, and just kind of develop more of, of the all-around game and develop that hockey sense a bit more. And when it comes to older players, I think earlier on, um, maybe it – I'd like to know your philosophy, I guess, overall. But I feel like, from my opinion – Early on, you could have an older type of player where they are a bit of a late bloomer, but they show some dominance once they get into that 19-year-old season. When it comes to the later rounds, at least when I'm playing you know, couch GM on NHL 23, when I'm looking in the late rounds, I'm never going after the 19, 20-year-old players because it always feels like if they're only at this point in their career when they're 19, 20 years old, let me go take the younger guy. Let me get a little bit more time. Um, So kind of what's your philosophy when it comes to these older players? Do you like them in the early rounds? Do you like them in the later rounds? Do you not like them at all? What are your thoughts? Well, there's, you know, there's no exact science to it because at the end of the day, you're creating less. It's like, all right, what I'm looking at right now, who is the best prospect? Who can I project the best? Like that, that's that's how you're kind of creating your ranking system. So there's no exact science. It's not me saying, okay, I am picking my my overage players from picks number 50 to picks number 150 in the draft. You know, that that's it, it's not necessarily that way. Um it it, it just all comes down to how, how much I like the player and where, where I like him at. I'm I'm not really opposed to taking um, you know, an overage player in the first round, if they really look that dominant, um, I, I, it's something that I'm very rarely going to do, but if all of a sudden, you know, they have a huge breakout and they're, you know, putting up two points a game in, in a league, then things are a little different Then it's like, all right, well, th- this kid, maybe he just kind of had, you know, ha- has dealing with an injury in the past or had to unlock something and he figured it out, then, then you want to take a shot on him. Or even if it's somebody who, you know, like, like, like Jack Harvey, who, he finally got over a point per game in that year. Um, in, in that, um, you know, last draft eligible year, I should say he, he's got the skills, it, you know, it, it was seen in the past. It just, you were waiting for the, for the, uh, for the production to happen and it started to happen. So it's not a bad idea taking, taking a flyer on that guy a little bit later, because at the end of the day, what you're looking for, um, especially in rounds four and on 
are just guys that have shown glimpses of, of an ability and show that they could potentially develop two, three, four more abilities. That, that's what you're looking for. So it really doesn't matter about the age. Yeah, it's it's better if you can get a younger guy. Sure. If you know all things are equal, you're going to go with the younger player. But it's it's not necessarily me you know, intentionally looking for the younger player over the older player. Okay. Understandable. Let's talk about the final guy, right. the one yep. being that plays just down the road from us. Yeah, so yeah, that final pick, as I mentioned, um, Ethan Hay, uh, la- our last pick there in the seventh round, 211th overall to the Flint Firebirds. Uh, spent two seasons there uh, so far, you know, b- both of his eligible junior hockey seasons. Um, last season, coming off of a 28 point year uh, through 64 games with 17 goals. Another forward, another center, six foot one, 190 pounds. Um, you know, it, not not necessarily some dominant prolific scorer by any means. Um, he was a, a former third round pick in the OHL, so it's not like he's been some clearly dominant prospect from when he was younger till now. But it's again, you know, as I mentioned, you're, you're just looking to identify a trade or two that you can further develop, and then you can maybe potentially add a couple more and. He's had some, you know, some some success, um, some history of success scoring in, in the AAA ranks. Um, you know, playing up a year for his, um, you like what was his U14 season technically, playing U15 in Canada for um, for Waterloo. Just finished 100 point per game. Didn't get to play his COVID year, um, just as most Ontario kids didn't. So it's kind of hard to judge that. But first years in the OHL, um, you know, some signs of life. This is the type of kid that you're really just hoping for a really big boom breakout either this season or the following not necessarily somebody i'm expecting to be you know a signed player or or a long-term prospect potentially nhl or for tampa but it's just a guy that you know we like something enough let's let's just take a shot seventh round if they don't hit we're not getting fired over it and so at the end of the day you're looking at your area scouts and, you know, the ones in Michigan get super excited over this kid, even the ones in Ontario that will see him. You know, it's a kid that they get super excited over. So the team trusts them enough and they trust their conviction. And then they go make the selection. Just as simple as that. Yeah, And Tampa, not one of those teams that's going to be in the position to go out and grab your Connor Bedards, your Matthew Mishkovs. But to be able to bring in a top 40 pick, a couple of lottery tickets, that's going to continue to help bolster the younger ranks of this team. We've known for a long time that this Tampa team has not had the best prospect pool. So to bring in Isaac Howard last year, to bring in a top 40 pick again in Gauthier this year, that's just going to continue to improve this team, and that's what we like to see. Yeah, absolutely. And there, it's it's really about Ethan Gauthier. Um, he, he is kind of the, I, I guess, prize possession, lack of a better term, in, in this draft for Tampa. But um, Shagabee is someone that definitely has some intrigue as well, and we'll kind of see about the rest. All right, well, let's move on to free agency and talk about some of the moves we've seen. Before we actually talk about signings, I do want to talk about two trades, that being us sending Corey Perry to Chicago as well as sending Patrick Maroon and Maxim Kajakovic to Minnesota. Yeah, and... You know, when when you're looking at kind of what Tampa's doing in this offseason, it's it's really just like roster. It's a lot of roster manager type moves where um, it, it's just it's just kind of them trying trying to find room, trying to create roster spaces for what they ultimately did in free agency. Um, so you're not really looking outside of the you know Ross Colt move any sort of 
big blockbuster trades, but we did move on from some from some death guys. You know, a guy like Kachkovich is not someone that's going to be an NHLer. He's really just an AHL guy at this point. But when you're looking at you know the the, the third fourth liners that we've kind of moved on from, it's really just opening the space to go out and and you know sign a couple free agents like they have thus far. So you know, be- best of luck going forward. You know, we we appreciate um you know. We appreciate the many years. We we appreciate you know the hard work. Um, but it you know it's it's these types of moves aren't really something that I'm gonna lose sleep over by any means. Yeah, and Patrick Maroon was fantastic for us, been able to help us, uh, you know, get those Stanley Cups. But we mentioned him, Corey Perry, Pierre Edward Bellamar. They made up a line of probably the slowest line in the NHL last year, and. When you're trying to continue to compete and you've got players getting older, like Victor Hedman, Steven Samkos, Nikita Kucherov, you don't necessarily need even older players that are struggling to skate. So although we appreciate everything they did for us here, uh, I am excited to see where we move in this next upcoming season, what direction we're going. Hopefully it's more speed because that's where we know the NHL is leaning. Also talking about it, Elliot Friedman, when he tweeted out the Patrick Maroon trade, he mentioned Minnesota already the Stanley Cup favorites because they have Patrick Maroon. And, you know, that's, that's fair, uh, especially with, with with that resume that he has. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't I don't hate that take. It's obviously just a little poke, a little like, kind of poking fun at it, funny thing. But, you know, it's fair. It, it's fair that, that that was the piece that pushed us over the edge, really. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the seven signings we've had up until this point. I think really being headlined by the likes of Connor Sheary and Jonas Gohansson. Hey, do not hate on my boy Luke Lindenning. Okay. That was that, that was that was pretty fucked up by you. But yeah, Connor Sheary, um, he is... He, he is really, really the one of note here. A guy that's going to be a top nine forward, you know, potentially playing that top six, three year, $6 million contract um, has had a history of, of scoring in the NHL, not necessarily a dominating player, but he has had some stretches where he's put up good numbers where he's played with some elite players, which helped. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where he lines up here. Um, you know, I could potentially see him, you know, playing with Stamco somewhere, playing with points somewhere, playing with Kudrov somewhere, or I could kind of see him settling into that third line role with whoever ends up kind of in that spot, especially now that, uh, you know, we don't have Maroon, we don't have Kalorn, we don't have Corey Perry, we don't have Ross Colton. There's a lot changing up in, in you know, in the lineup. So it's really going to kind of be a, just like, like, a, like a wait and wait and see what, what happens. Um, I, I could see this being a guy who ends up scoring 50 points or more. I could see him being someone who maybe scores 30 from the third line. Regardless, you're not really risking a ton with the signing. So, uh, you know, I'm good with it. Yeah, and I do want to mention really quickly, because you mentioned Alex Kalorn. Uh, this is a guy who, again, had some great success here in Tampa. But we've kind of talked about him as a player overall. When you see he goes to the Ducks for four years at over $6 million per year. What are your thoughts? I would not assign him to that. I'm very happy Tampa didn't try to find a way to, re- to sign him to that because it just was not worth their cap. But, when, oh, my throat's really dry. Excuse me. When you're a team like Anaheim and you're just trying to, to get some veterans in, trying to help build up these young players, help them take that next step. When you, when you get a kid like Leo Carlson who's going to come over 
Um, you're trying to mentor them. You know, it is what it is. They're they're not going to die from it by any means. They're not really going to be in too much of a cap crunch uh, anytime soon down the road. Maybe at the end of that deal, that, that like we'll see. But you know, it, it's what it's whatever. I I want to sign them to it, but I don't think they're gonna like die because of it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's briefly go over uh, these next couple of moves and talk about what type of players here we could potentially see being a day in day out type of player for Tampa. So, you know, as I mentioned, Luke Wendani, he he's my dog. Um, he's just a player I've, I've always liked, always rooted for. Just a good kind of fourth line guy, you know, do do, do the nitty gritty, um, win faceoffs, eat a couple pucks, just 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 re- really do the right things, but not really go out and, and dominate. Um, it, it's kind of it really. I mean, Archibald will probably end up, um, you know, you know, playing some games here and there when needed. It's maybe only on 800 K year deal. Nothing crazy. Um, Logan Brown, he's got an opportunity to Kelvin DeHaan might end up coming in as the extra defense on the roster. Not really sure. Not a huge DeHaan guy. So I don't know, but, uh, you know, of all these moves, Sherry's really the one to know. Glendanning's next, and then all the others. It's just, it, you know, it's kind of a wait and see. They're, they're going to be those really borderline type guys. Yeah, and we mentioned bringing in a little bit more competition for the backup goalie position, Jonas Johansson, uh, that being the one goalie we've signed up to this point. So uh, interesting to see who takes that spot, but right now it's kind of kind of a toss-up. Yeah, it's it's definitely a big wait and see, and there might be someone else coming in on the road. Who knows? We'll see. All right, we are going to head to a quick commercial break, but on the other side of the commercial break, going to be talking about the full NHL draft. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at Sportsbook.DraftKings.com slash baseball terms. Shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings. Thanks much for sponsoring the show. Well, Chase, now that the NHL, the NBA, and the NFL are all done for the regular season, the playoffs, and the offseason, now that all the drafts have been finished as well, are you still finding some parlays when it comes to baseball, or are you settling down a little bit? Yeah, no, I don't I don't bet on baseball. That's an absolute nightmare. That That's a sport that just 
He can't predict. The over-under is set to 7.5. Well, that game finished one nothing, and they're playing a doubleheader. Oh, the second game finished 16-3. to Yeah, you, you just don't know. It's it's an absolute train wreck of a sport to bet on. Anybody that does and has success, I envy you, because anytime I try, it, it just goes horribly. So definitely taking a little break here. Might bet on some random stuff here and there. Might play some futures. Um, that's really about it for probably the next couple months. Yeah, and I think there was a baseball game that finished like 25 to nothing uh, about a week yeah. ago. So that, that, yeah. that was an interesting stat line. Like, what a stupid sport. Like, you know, b- baseball's, baseball's fun to watch when you're in person. You you know, you're, you're paying eight bucks for a ticket here in Detroit. Uh, you can go, gra- go grab a beer, go grab a hot dog, enjoy some weather. You know, it's not, it's not bad. But to, like, sit there and watch it on TV or to sit there and, like, gamble on it like well, why would you do that yeah good question i don't know but what i do know is that my sports betting career is alive and well thanks to the nhl allowing dalibor Dvorsky to drop after pick eight so dalibor Dvorsky going to st louis at number 10 means mike and chase win some money and that means mike can continue to bet but I would have liked, you know, the uh, the hundred dollars I would have got if Matt Mishkov would have went in second, but you know, the NHL is dumb. Oh, you mean if he would have went second, like he should have? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, that's a great point. These stupid NHL teams, I, all these GMs. Oh, I'm afraid to lose my job. Well, how about you stop playing afraid? Because when you play afraid, that's how you end up getting fired. You have to take shots. You have to make these big decisions. If you play it safe. Like you're, you're not going to win. You're not going to build cup contenders. You're, you're not going to do these things. You have to take flyers on high upside guys. You have to take flyers on guys that might not report for a couple years, guys that might not report at all. It's just what you have to do to win. And if you're afraid to do that, then maybe you shouldn't be in that position. So now you look at a team like the flyers, they get an ultimate value on a guy like Matthew Mishkov, who just has all the skill in the world. If he if he wasn't Russian, he'd be rivaling Connor Bedard in this draft. Like many many analysts have said that, even even NHL scouts have said that, and I do believe that he he could really potentially rival Connor Bedard in this draft class. So to let him slip to that spot, seventh overall, like the, these teams are just idiotic. It, it really makes me mad that some of these people get into these kind of positions. And one of the most annoying things is I feel like we preach it nonstop that. We preach about don't turtle. It seems like any situation where you're going to play defensively, you're going to play scared, you're going to play safe, it never works out. It's just dumb. And now if if Anaheim wants to go the likes of an Adam Fantilli over a Matt Vemishkov, a little bit more understandable because Adam Fantilli, he is a very talented player. We know his ceiling is very high. We know he's ready to come in. But they didn't even do that. They went and got Leo Carlson. Then we saw San Jose go with Will Smith. Montreal and Arizona, they go other guys as well, allowing Matt Mishkov to drop to seven. And I'm not saying that these other guys are going to be bad. They're probably going to be very talented players. But we looked at, I don't remember exactly who it was. I don't know if it was Byron Bader or, or who on Twitter, but he has an analytical model. And Matt Mishkov was the number one player in his analytical model where he was a 100% chance of being an NHLer, 100% chance of being an NHL star. Now, Bedard, he was number two and had 100% chance in both as well, but just shows how talented Mishkov is. We can't let him drop to seven. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And it was Patrick Bacon. He's the one that has this model. Um, it's it's through Jay, Jay Fresh. Like it, it's kind of through his Patreon and stuff. Um, so pa- Patrick Bacon is is the guy that um had this out, and he tweeted out per pick, um, what he had them, you know rated or graded as um what the analytics said and would kind of from there be like but my you know best players available blah blah blah, whatever and Misha was the best player available up until he was selected because it like his projections even his nhle um i can't remember the the like the like app the account like the the name of it but um it's like it's some sort of like nhl fantasy app thing that um uses like nhl like an nhle model to kind of project future like fantasy production and future nhl production as well but it's used like you know kind of for like you know like dynasty like fantasy hockey leagues and stuff but matthew mishkov had the highest nhl e and like or p nhl which is trying to predict what they can score in the nhl i should say excuse me so the highest p nhl e and he was you know as i said number one um madar was just behind him but dard had a p nhl e of 150 so they're saying that um, his ceiling could, you know, be 150 points a year, which is obviously tremendous. But Matthew Mishkov was 151, j- just barely, you know, like edging him. So there, so many of these analytics, and sure, maybe they're not NHL team analytics, but I don't care. The, these public analytics are generally better off than these NHL ones. Um, like they're they're saying all these good things, and they're things that I agree with. So I, I'm obviously going to be in favor of them. I, I just I, I I don't get how these teams can kind of be you know so short sighted I guess I don't I don't know why they're so afraid to take take a leap of faith because you you, you look at what what Steve Eisman did like you know he he takes leaps of faith and you look at his first move his first draft pick in Detroit taking more outsider that was a leap of faith type pick and it it worked out these teams just need to stop playing so safe so soft because it's just no fun and that's ultimately how you lose your job. Yeah, and I don't remember the exact quote from Matvey Mishkov, but when he was in the interview after being drafted by the Flyers, uh, they asked when he expects to come over to the NHL. And I don't know if it was very soon, really soon, or just soon, but it seemed like there could be potential where we do see him closer or sooner than the three years originally projected. And even if not, the Flyers, they talked about it and they said, we are totally content with waiting those three years because of how talented he is. But if we do get to see him sooner, man, that's going to be a lot of fun. I really hope we do, especially to kind of, you know, rub the other team's noses in it that passed on him because it really is stupid. And there was all these things were coming out that apparently Mishkov was saying, you know, I only want to go to these teams. I want to go to a team with a history of winning because I want to win a Stanley Cup. That's what I'm coming over here for. I don't want to go to... You know, a poverty franchise essentially, which if Philly was one of those teams, it's a, it's a little, little, little weird to me because they haven't won since like the seventies. They're, they're a little poverty, but nonetheless, they still went out and grabbed an elite player. And I really wouldn't think it's that far fetched for him to find a way out of that contract. Players have done it before, um, so it's not like it would be the first time it's happened. It'd be a very difficult process. It, it would not be something that is just plain and simple. Yeah, I'm leaving, and then you're gone because there's no agreement between the NHL and Russia. But it can be done. So I really hope it does happen as well because I want to see him over here. I, I want to watch him dominate in the NHL because he is such a fun player to watch. Yeah, well, let's talk about the rest of the draft now. And I think we can kind of avoid Connor Bedard as well. We've talked about him for, I feel like, the last month as a whole um, going to Chicago. But when you look at the rest of the board, aside from Bedard, aside from Mishkov, what are some of your favorite picks? 
I really love, you know, as we mentioned, Dale Borvorsky slipping. I love that value for St. Louis. He He's just talented, man. He's, he's just a very smart upside while also being a safe player. Um, he's someone that I think is a, a guaranteed NHLer while still being able to potentially score 70, 80 points and being a, a good two-way man. So it's a great pick for St. Louis. It's a guy that I would love to have on any NHL team in any NHL system under any NHL coach. He would have success. I love the Matthew Wood value to Nashville down there at the uh, 15th pick. A guy that I had, you know, ranked easily in my in my top. I think it was my number six player. Um, I, I would have absolutely taken him as early as that because he has the size, he has the skill, he has production, he's got everything you need. So it's a tremendous value. And then if we're going to kind of keep looking into the first round, I think Quentin Musty down to San Jose there at 26. I think that's a really nice value. I think that they had, you know, a pretty a pretty good draft, especially a very good day one. And then, um, you know, when you're looking at, you, you know, even a guy like Mikhail Gulyev, who went to, went to Seattle, um, someone that I have ranked super highly over in Russia, um, he's kind of like a Lane Hudson type player where teams are just kind of sleeping on him a little bit because of his size. But, you know, if he would have went as the first defenseman, I would have definitely not scoffed at it at all because he does have a lot of skill. Granted, I would still take Reinbacher, but if a team did it, I'd be like, you know, that's fair because this guy has the potential to be a 60-point defenseman. I really do. So I think that... Um, I think it's at Seattle draft. If I did, I apologize. I meant to say Colorado. Um, Colorado got a really good value there, which is frustrating. But um, all in all, it was minus the Matt Vimichkov drop in the Fantilli pick. It was a pretty uneventful uh, first day. We were supposed to hear about all these trades. Nothing happened. Not a ton of crazy picks. But there definitely were some values, and those were among the first couple that I really liked. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing is we did see some interesting picks, especially at the top, seeing Leo Carlson go in front of Fantilli Mishkov. Seeing Dmitry Simashev be the sixth overall pick to Arizona, another interesting pick, but I think when we talked about it as the night ended, it seemed like 29, 30 of the players that actually got taken in the first round were seen as first-round picks. Now, not necessarily seen as the sixth overall pick, maybe more along the lines of 28 or something for Simashev, but... When you look at the draft as a whole, everything seemed pretty standard, just in a different, uh, I guess, orientation. Yeah, they, there really wasn't anybody that was like, how the hell did they go in the first round? You know, the one guy that I would say was close to that was Easton Cowan. Um, not someone I would have taken there. I, I just, you know, he wasn't in my top 64, so I wouldn't have taken him there. But when it comes to everybody else, it's like, yeah, I could I, I could see how. Yeah. You know, as even though Simashev does go as high as he did, he's still someone who's worthy of a first round pick because he is big. He is a defensive D man who does have some, you know, offensive skills. And so maybe he can figure out the production. I don't know. But like, it, it really wasn't anything off the board. It wasn't like, you know, when Chinnikov went randomly in the first round. Um, you know, it, it wasn't anything as wild as that. But nonetheless, it's still, still enjoyable watching the draft. I just wish there was more chaos. Yeah. And for. The 2023 legendary draft classes that we've talked about for a long while, having the legendary running back uh, position just going to explode in the NFL. A very exciting NFL draft. Obviously, the NBA had Wambanyana and then Connor Bedard here with the NHL draft class. Seemed like we are so excited for the 2023 class that I feel... Like, maybe I hyped it up a little bit too much when it comes to the actual draft excitement. It didn't really, I guess, meet my expectations on draft night. But nonetheless, I mean, all these players are going to be fantastic. And to see them play in the league next year is going to be the most fun part about it all. 
Of those coveted players, you know, the three that we just mentioned, the only one that went to a spot I liked, like that can tolerate a team was Bijan going to Atlanta. And so I'm like, yeah, I love it. It's like, yeah, I can tolerate them. I hate the Blackhawks. Like, that's boring. And then um, what's his nuts went to the Spurs, right? So yep. let's. Yep. Yeah. And like, what, what am I going to. I don't watch NBA as it is really because it's, it's pretty boring. But here and there, I'll watch it, you know, for. For for a guy like him because he has so much upside. But what am I gonna do? We're for the Spurs? What gross? No. Why the hell would I do that? So like they went to gross teams, teams that I don't root for. It's just annoying. Absolutely. Well, before we go to hockey name of the day, I do think it's important that we mention uh, the absolute disgrace that has been the Montreal fan base. Yeah, th- th- this shit's stupid because David Reinbacher is an unbelievable prospect. Someone I think is going to have a very good NHL career, a very long NHL career. So if he made the NHL this year, I wouldn't be that shocked. I Is he better off probably developing for a year? Sure. But if he came over and, and made it, like I, I wouldn't be like, holy hell, that was crazy because he's just good. And Montreal fans were basically threatening him and calling him out and saying horrible shit to him online because that they didn't, you know, they didn't take Misha off with that pick. It's not his fault that, that Montreal liked him. It's not his fault that he's, you know, a good player and is a very coveted prospect who is worthy of going in that spot because that's, you know, I had him ranked right there. I, a lot of people did. That's very fair. So shit, Montreal fans, a terrible fa- franchise, terrible fan base. Someone I, the team I do not like rooting for fan base that, you know, makes it hard to root for them. Basically wishing all these horrible things upon this player, calling them all these terrible things just because your team didn't draft somebody else. It's pathetic. Now you're making a kid stay back over overseas. You know, he, he was going to come over. He was going to play in North America, whether it be the NHL, whether it be in the HL, whether it be major junior, he was going to be over here. You were going to see him play, but now he's staying overseas. He's probably going to stay in the Swiss league. Maybe he goes to the Swedish league. I don't know, but he, he's going to stay over there instead because of all, all this shit that you guys have been saying, you know, that they're, they're afraid of killing this, this young kid's confidence and his potential and his upside because fans are going to keep berating him. It's stupid. It's pathetic. It's, it's an absolute joke. And that's kind of the, like, you don't have to be the most intelligent person in the room to realize that you not getting Mishkov is not Reinbacher's fault. Like, that seems pretty straightforward. That seems like elementary math right there. So, to have everyone going after him rather than the front office is really the most disappointing part. Like... Come on, guys. It, it It's not – it's common sense at this point. What are we doing? It's it's a joke, dude. It, everyone thinks that, like, these aren't people. And, yeah, it's fair to criticize them. Um, You know, you, you can criticize GMs, coaches, and players to an extent because at the end of the day, it is a – it is a public performance that they're putting on. This is something that they're putting out there. Um, They're choosing to do this. And part of that, you know, comes with, with the public scrutiny, you know, like scrutiny, like it, it's, it's something that can happen, but this isn't a kid that has done anything to be scrutinized. He hasn't played a game for Montreal. He was simply drafted by them. He hadn't been signed. You know, he had hardly done any media. He hadn't done a single thing wrong. He hasn't done anything to hurt the franchise other than being drafted by them. And it, and it wasn't like it was a reach or anything. It was just because they didn't get a certain player. So it, it, it makes no sense. Uh, you know, you, you can criticize the team. Um, you can criticize the player. But as you said, it's it's not rocket science to to understand that you should be criticizing the team and the staff if you want to make a criticism. Yeah, and you mentioned it last night. One of the best, most sweetest karma's a bitch moments ever would be if Reinbacher demands a trade. 
and gets out of Montreal. Montreal doesn't get much back for him. That would be fantastic. It, it would be a, a big old suck it to Montreal fans. It would. Like, request a trade. I don't want him to stay back overseas for four years because he's going to be ready to play in the NHL super quickly. But it is an option. He can stay overseas for four years, let his, let his rights lapse, and he can go sign wherever he wants. Like, that's something he can do. do I, I don't want that to happen. He, like, if he's not going to play this year, he's going to play next year. Okay, I can already tell you that. So I want to see him over here sooner than later. But Montreal really pissed me off. I don't want to see him play for them because he's a player that I do really like. And I, I'm I'm just forever going to hold that disdain towards those Montreal Canadian fans. All right. Finally, let's head to hockey name of the day. We have old Montana Onyabuchi. Montana Onyabuchi. So, you know, it's a bit, a bit more of an O sound, not, not an ah sound. Okay. But Montana Onyabuchi, 23-year-old defenseman, 6'3", 220 pounds. He is a Canadian. He spent some time in the WHL before he made the pro jump, um, you know, playing with, within the San Jose organization. Played for the Barracuda last season, 10 points to 35 games. Uh, the previous year, played 46 games at 7 points. Also played some games in the East Coast League with our Orlando Solar Bears. So, you know, if we have any, um, you know, dire Solar Bear fans um, listening, which we hopefully have a couple because it's, it's, it's a great organization. Shout out to Joey Batanio. Um, you know, it's, it's a name you might recognize. But... He is, you know, just recently, this, this offseason, I should say, signed a contract with the Arizona Coyotes. So congrats to him on his NHL deal. Um, is he going to, you know, make the Yotes out of camp? Probably not. Um, he, I would expect him to be down in Tucson. But who knows? Maybe he ends up being one of those guys that is that, you know, like really the eighth, ninth defenseman in, in an organization where call him up when needed. Um, he, he can maybe play a couple games, go back down, um, be, you know, turn into a potentially just really good locker room guy who can kind of do what you need him to do. Yeah, and fun fact, I heard that Montana was actually named after his parents' favorite pop star, Hannah Montana. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's exactly what happened. <laughs> All right, thanks so much for stopping by. Chase, hit him with an outro. As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. But you can follow us on Twitter at Bulls Broadcast, at Bulls Broadcast. You can follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter, at HockeyPodNet. That's at HockeyPodNet. Or at WNP on Twitter, WNP Sports Pod. That's WNP Sports Pod. Make sure the hockeypodcastnetwork.com. You can find all the pods in the network right there. Boom. Click the logo. That's an easy peasy lemon squeezy. Wherever listening, rate us five stars. Send us your questions, comments, concerns. We'd appreciate it. We're going to do for Advocates, you go THBN. We sign for DraftKings. Thanks so much for stopping by. Talk to you next time.